Welcome to our Christmas week episode of the All Things Podcast. I thought this would be the perfect show to invite my pastor hubby onto the podcast. But before I roll that tape, I'd love to give him a proper introduction. Ross Holtz, Master of Religious Science, Doctor of Divinity, Doctor of Ministry, has been in pastoral ministry for over 40 years. Founding pastor of the Summit Evangelical Free Church, he's been the senior pastor there for 32 years. He is the father of four, grandfather of six, stepfather of four, and step-grandfather of 11. Dr. Holtz was awarded Pastor of the Year in 2014 by the National Coalition of Ministries for Men. His first book, Are You in the Game or in the Way? A Question for Pastors and Men's Ministry Leaders was released in 2016. His second book, Intersections, Crossroads, Roundabouts, and Ruts, Where the Will of God Collides with Where You Want to Go, is to be released in the fall of 2021. He has also written chapters in the anthology, How to Disciple Men, published by Broad Street Publishing, and If You've Passed the Baton, Get It Back, by Seismic Publishing. He is married to the author and publisher at Redemption Press, Athena Dean Holtz, and they live in Enumclaw, Washington. And just a few fun facts. He took 12-string guitar lessons from Paul Kantner of Jefferson Airplane fame. He was with the Village Criers folk group and had a record contract with Delta Records when he was 16 years old. And the Village Criers opened for Mahalia Jackson at the Monterey Folk Festival in 1964. Wow, I'm married to a pretty cool guy, huh? All right, so let's get started. All right, well, we are going to depart from our normal format for the All Things Podcast today, and we are going to do something a little different for this Christmas week podcast. Well, that fits us. We are a little different. Yes, we are. In case I didn't mention, my husband, Ross Holtz, Dr. Ross Holtz. The right reverend doctor. The right reverend Dr. Ross Holtz is with me today. And don't you forget it. (laughs) I mean, I worked hard for those titles. Yes, he did. But, you know, we're always talking on the All Things Podcast about Romans 8.28 and how God just is continually working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And our entire story together is one big Romans 8.28 story. So I just thought it would be fun to bring my hubby on today and just... Not only let you get to know him a little better, hear a little bit about his other Romans 828 moments in his life, but also to just share our Romans 828 story as a couple and just give you some encouragement in that way. So, Dr. Ross, (laughs) 
<laughs> Where Dr. Ross dog food is doggone good. Remember those commercials? <laughs> no, I oh, don't. Yeah, yeah. You're older than me. Yeah, that's true. Just uh, by yeah. six years, though. Yeah. So, so where do you want to start? My whole life has been a Romans 828 story, actually. So should we start early Well, give on us some highlights what? of those All right. defining moments. Let me, let me um, I, very early in my life, I had a call to preach. Uh, I was about eight or nine, but I didn't really want to do it. It was a, a goal of my life, even though I had a call. But what I did want to do is I wanted to be a performer. I started playing guitar very early, never got very good at it, but I started very early and started playing with a band and the band got some notoriety. We even had a record contract. We only sold eight records, but we, we had a contract. Um, but the, the thing the thing that is 828 for me is, is that I've always had an ability to be in front of people. Never had any stage fright. or And I hear people talk about the fear of public speaking. I never had any fear of public speaking ever. It was uh, a love of mine to be in front of people. It was for all the wrong purposes at that point. But nonetheless, I developed very early the ability to be in front of people. I've been in front of, was at the Monterey Folk Festival in 63 or 64. And played in front of ten thousand people, and it was a it was a rush. So I've always liked being in front of people. Then when I finally surrendered to follow the call that God had given me, I found that all of that training that I had, playing in groups, playing in concerts and uh, record studios and all recording studios and all that stuff, all of that was for for His good, and it worked for good for me. And mm. uh, and while I never made it as a rock star, in my case, it was a <laughs> folk star. Um, nonetheless, very early, his, the experiences that I had, and I could see very early, and Romans 8, 28 has been with me my whole life. You know, I grew up in the church and heard those, those verses all of my life and heard great sermons on them. And Romans 8, 28 is one of those kind of things that sticks with you, don't you think? Absolutely. Once you, once you hear, as soon as you hear the words, all things work together for good, um, that's a pretty big statement. Yeah, like uh, everything, even the bad things, yeah. e everything. And the stupid choices you make and the mistakes you make. And it, it's not a justification for them. It's just a promise of God that he'll use those things uh, even for his good. And, and so very early in my life, I was able to recognize that the stupid things that I did, God would use. Now, I don't think I ever took that for granted. I don't think I ever made stupid decisions thinking, well, it's all right, God will make it good anyway. But all through my life, I have made probably more wrong decisions than right ones, it seems like. And yet he always, in the end, turns it around, wraps it around. Now, there are consequences, right? Right. Uh, that we, we learn from. He talks about disciplining us and shaping and molding and make us making us into his image, which is part of the all things work together for good. So sometimes the stupid things we do, he uses as a corrective device because he has to remake us. But don't us. you think that when we make bad decisions and he teaches us through that, that he then sets us up oftentimes to help someone else not make that mistake? I would hope so, yeah. <laughs> you know, that old thing, do as I... Uh, say not as I do. 
Um, and I think as parents, we we often uh, do that with our kids. You know, I I did this and it was a stupid thing. You know, don't put your finger in that light socket. Uh, I, I did that once. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so uh, yeah, absolutely. And as a, as a pastor, as a preacher. Some of the best illustrations I have are from goofy things that I did in my life and that God redeemed, which is the other side of that Romans 8, 28, is we have to be careful not to justify ourselves and say, well, it, it was a bad thing, but God used it for good, so it made it good. It didn't make it good. He just made good for us. That's his character, yeah. is it? He will work that for good in spite of us. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't, but I, I agree. I mean, we don't say, oh, let's just go make all sorts of bad decisions because we know God's going to work it for good. Mm-hmm. We don't, yeah. we don't definitely. Don't. And then I have people, have had people in my life that didn't like the idea of consequences. Oh, no, 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 I have God's grace and all things work together for good, so there's no consequences. Well, that's not true. No. Uh, you know, we look at, at, at David, uh, you know, the, the whole line of David, the, the, the kingly line came through Bathsheba even though that it, that was a sinful relationship in the beginning and it it cost Uriah his life and David his firstborn son the consequences were severe and yet God still used it and amazing you know David had lots of wives he could have the line of, of, of Christ could have come through any of his wives and some of the wives historically were were much better humans than Bathsheba, who was a very strong personality anyway. But the interesting thing is, is that when you look in in the Gospels and you see the two lines of Jesus, you know, one through Mary and one through Joseph, they both come through Bathsheba. God could have picked any of his wives. David had many. But for some unknown reason to us, both of the lines of, of Jesus through his mother and through Joseph, his earthly father. They came through Bathsheba, both of them. And and so it's a, it's a story. The consequences were severe, but God redeems it. And when he redeems something, he makes it good. So isn't like that just an example of the character of God to redeem out of a poor choice, out of a bad situation? Bathsheba was a bad choice, but God redeemed it. And used and brought Jesus from that lineage. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Wow. Uh, and, and there are lot, lots of stories like that. Uh, so back to you. Yeah, okay. Back to me. <laughs> My husband's a preacher, can you tell? Back to you. You had the preaching piece. That was a Romans 8.28. Yeah. Now, how about another Romans 8.28 from... Moving forward. Well, went into business uh, a couple of times, actually, and never did very well. It was was not my calling, was not my giftedness. And yet we were uh, in a situation in Tucson. About the time the business was going down the drain, I was introduced to Dr. Paige Patterson from Criswell Center for Biblical Studies and was invited and offered a scholarship to, to go uh, there to study. So even out of that, as the business was folding up, God even turned that into an opportunity because if the business was going well, would I have closed it down to go to Texas? Probably not. 
Right. Uh, I would like to think that I would, but you don't always see the opportunities the same way when things are going well as when you're grasping for things. And when you suddenly see, where am I going to go from here? Suddenly the doors that are open become more visible, both the right doors and the wrong doors. Mm. Okay, so then let's let's hear one or two more Romans eight twenty eight stories from that point. Well, put me right on the spot. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. I went to a, a, a small church in West Texas as associate pastor. It was not a, a very good experience for my family. Uh, we we were the outsiders, you mm. know, in in small towns in West Texas takes about 30 years, I think. And even then, you're still the, the new guy. But the experiences there were, were not beneficial to my family. And so when we were done with that, I went back into the business world, went back to running the entertainment complex in Dallas. And then when that came to an end, I, I said, well, that's it for me. I'm, I'm not at all interested in the ministry anymore. I will go to church like everybody else, and I will fulfilled my obligation. I gave it my best try. And uh, so then we came to Washington State and I was building houses and things. And yet there was a a sense of an unsettled business in my life. So my wife and and kids were going to a a church here in Enumclaw and I was trying not to go. I would be working and things because I would get convicted when I went. And and the other thing is that I'd go... And it was a young pastor there, and he was very, very good. So I would be convicted. I didn't want to go back, but I was jealous of what God had done for him. And so I had all of these conflicting ideas. So, so then finally, I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll go back to church. And I did, and they needed a, a, a youth guy. So I worked you know, as a volunteer and uh, enjoyed doing that. And, and then they, 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 they wanted somebody vocationally uh, paid. Okay. So I applied for the job. Okay. And, and everybody thought, well, I was a shoe in, but they didn't give it to me. <laughs> and so I went back to God and I said, whoa. And he says, you didn't want back in. I mean, he didn't really say that, but this is my, my mental conversation with God. And okay, well, you're right. I don't, I don't really want, I don't want to do that. Well, then a little while later, they needed an associate pastor and uh, the elder board called me and, and said, would you come and interview? Well, yeah, but now by this time, I wanted the job. I really wanted the job. And I thought, well, there it is. Yeah, he, God didn't give me the youth position because it was going to give me this better position. So I went and interviewed with that. And everybody, everybody wanted me but the pastor. <laughs> so he said no. And, and there I am. I think, well, God. And so now I've got this desire to go back. It's like God says, okay, well, now you want back. Well, okay, but you don't want it bad enough. Let's see how serious you are. Uh, yeah. And so I, I, okay, I shrugged it off and I was building houses. And, and, and one day this, this guy comes down to the job site and he introduces himself and he says, I, I understand you might be looking for a church to pastor. Well, I really wasn't, but yeah, what do you got? And he was from this small town of Carbonado up uh, above Buckley, Washington. And he says, your, your, your name has been given to us from about six different people. I said, really? Yeah. Okay. So I, I went up there. Now, there's a side story to this, too, which is I had, I had bought a house 
in Carbonito, a, a fixer-upper one time, uh, about six months before this, or maybe a year before this. And I bought this house and I was remodeling it. And Carbonito was a small town. It was not a particularly attractive small town at the time. It's, it's much nicer now, very nice now. But it was not an attractive, as a matter of fact, they had one street that was called Dog Street because of all the dogs running up and down the street. <laughs> ah! And so uh, Kathy, my late wife, came up one day, brought me lunch, and I was working up there. And, and she says, you don't expect I'd ever live here, do you? In Carbonino. I, I says, no, no. Why would we ever live here? So here we are a year later. I'm interviewing for a job uh, in, in the town. And there's, you know, there, there, in the town of Carbonino, there were three entities. There was a fire department. There was a post office. And there was a church. Well, there was a tavern also. So there's four. And everybody in town wanted one of them to go away. <laughs> Some people wanted the tavern to go away. Some people wanted the post office to go away. Some people, nobody wanted the fire department to go away. And some people wanted the church to go away. <laughs> and, and, and so there I was, the, and, and I, I accepted this job. And uh, by this time, God had worked in us because we we were running out of options. I mean, the economy was not particularly good. This, is, this was... Uh, late 1981 going into 82 and remember interest rates were at 18 percent and the economy was not good and there weren't nobody was building houses and i was i was uh, i was really in need at this point and uh and and here was this little bitty church um and they said would you like the church would you like to pass i said well here's the deal uh, uh, this was like in june of 82 and i said i will Work for the summer. I've got to finish some projects, some building projects that I had in Edenpah, which was about 20 miles away. And I said, we'll live down there because the parsonage was unlivable uh, there in, in Carbonino. And uh, I said, I'll work for the summer and I'll, I'll preach and I'll do the Bible study Wednesday nights and such. And then at the end of the summer, we can decide whether we are a good match or not. So by this time, amazingly, Kathy was kind of excited about having a uh, a full-time job, <laughs> me having a full-time job, uh -huh. and, uh, and a steady income. And uh, even though it wasn't much, it was like $647 a month. Wow. But they did provide a house that was unlivable. <laughs> so during the summer, I remodeled the house there, uh, the, the parsonage. And and then at the, at the end of the summer, what I said to them, I said, I will only come if it's a unanimous call. That, that's ego, kind of. But I have seen... Men uh, accept a call when there was like a 60% positive vote, which meant automatically 40% of the people were against them. And in small towns and in small churches, you, yeah, yeah. You don't want that. Especially if that 40% are the power brokers. Mm -hmm. and, and in small churches, they're always power brokers. So I got a unanimous call and, and, and I went. And, and suddenly I was overwhelmed with the idea that God had taken all of this resentment that I had towards the church and the anxiety about the church and the anger towards the church and had percolated it through difficult times and hard times. And, and, and so the, the, the day before the call, I was praying and, and what I heard, again, was, you really want this? Yeah, I do. Uh, how bad do you want it? <laughs> you, you told me you wouldn't come back. Yeah, but I was kidding. <laughs> And, 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 and I heard him say, you said I couldn't make you. I'm not making it. You don't have to take this job. If you don't want this job, you don't have to take it. Well, 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 wait, wait. Uh, but I want the job now. You do want the job now. This was going on in my head. Honest to goodness. Because I had told him, I'm not going back. You can't make me. 
and 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 I, I all my life I've heard people talk about God hitting him overhead with a two by four or something. You know, he's never done that to me. He's always been gentle, as gentle as he can. I've had some tough times because of stupid decisions, but never had those kind of consequences. And I never felt like he was hitting me over the head. So here he was, and it was like he was holding out a plate of cookies. <laughs> you you want you want these cookies? Yeah, I do. How bad do you want them? You said you didn't want my cookies, but I do want your cookies. <laughs> and uh, and and so I, I I went in that Sunday and they 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 did the vote and it was a hundred percent and I went home that night in tears and it and probably as broken as any time in my life, out of sheer gratitude to him that he had finally bailed me out of this three or four years of confusion while I was out of the ministry trying to find my way, trying to make a living, trying to decide what I, I could do, what he would allow me to do. And, and suddenly he, he he offers this to me. Now, it was a very small church, but we had we were there for five years. But it, 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 the church grew. We It was a town of 561 people. The church, we were running 250 people by the time we left. Now, a lot of people were coming up from down the hill. but So that was an example of turning all of my anger... And all of my um, egocentricity into what he wanted. And then that night when I was alone and, and, and broken, I said to him, I, I will try never to do this again. My purpose is never to rebel against you again. But I don't want to make a vow I can't keep. Mm-hmm. The Bible says only a fool makes a vow that he doesn't intend to keep or she doesn't intend to keep. So I was careful, and I've been Bill Gothard and heard him say, "Don't make vows." You know, say, I, I purpose so. And I've never had a, a time after that when the ministry overwhelmed me as it did in, in, in Texas, and that's been forty years. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, so we're going to transition into us, our Romans eight okay. twenty eight story Excellent. because. You were married to Kathy for 49 years. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And when I first came to your church and um, said, okay, I, this is going to be my church after 12, almost 13 years in being deceived, I'll never forget Kathy saying to me three months after I started coming to church, she looked at me and said, you know, I told Ross, if anything ever happened to me, he needed to marry you. Which completely threw me for a loop, totally turned my thought life into head games like crazy because I'm like, okay, does he know that I know that she said that, you know, I mean, all this craziness going, she wasn't sick at the time, right? No. Well, she may have been, but we didn't know it. Exactly. Exactly. But but see, here's the thing. She never felt a call to be a pastor's wife. She didn't really like the job. She she did it, but it wasn't, you know, you, you, we've all met people who just loved being pastor's wives and they played the piano and they... Uh, led choirs and they did all these things. Kathy worked with children in it. She didn't play the piano and she didn't particularly enjoy the job. Didn't like being in a fishbowl. But yet, what, what I what I suspect now in retrospect is she saw you and you were talking about ministry, being in ministry, and you liked doing ministry and you you liked church activities. You actually liked 
women in the church. <laughs> and, and, and so I'm sure that's what she was thinking was, wow, well, if, Ross, if somebody ever has me, she needs to marry somebody like you who really likes ministry. Uh, that's the best I can figure. Yep. Well, and I ended up going to Texas to help my brother take care of my mom, maybe about five months after she had said that to me. So I was down there when I heard somehow I came across it. Yeah. Now, let me, can I jump in? Can I yeah. you? Yeah. Okay, so hold that right there. Now, my first encounter was with Chuck, your ex-husband. When several, we first several, moved to yeah. Enumclaw. And he came to the church and he was starting a publishing company. You guys were starting a publishing company. And I, I met him and talked to him. And and so I became aware. And then, and then slowly but surely we heard about the cult in town. And then your name was was associated associated with the cult, and then Chuck was gone, and then the cult owned the publishing the publishing company. company, and we thought, whoa, what's going on here? And of course, all kinds of speculation was going on. And then you ran for the city council, and so I I, I was I was familiar with your name. I knew who you were. I wasn't sure what you were, but I knew who you were. <laughs> and, and then you show up at the church, and, and it come out of the cult, and. I was, I was fascinated. I mean, I, I wasn't in love with you or I didn't have a crush on you or anything. I just was fascinated. I, I, I always enjoyed stories of redemption. And when people recognized that they were stupid. Which like, I did like recognize. People, like people join cults. And, and so they, and so I, and I, I really liked you. I, I, I enjoyed being with you. And, um, and so, and we were friends. I, I think we were friends. I felt yep. like we were friends. Yeah. And, and you and Kathy were friends and she didn't, she she didn't make women friends. She didn't enjoy women friends very much. But you and her, and her uh, created a friendship. All right. So then now you're in Texas. So now I go to Texas. And I, I'm not sure why I didn't hear anything about her illness until right before she passed away. It was just kind of boom. All of a sudden. Well, it was a short period. Only 126 days. Right. But, I mean, I think I heard about it a week before she passed. Yeah. And... You know, I didn't really think a whole lot about it. I mean, I didn't kind of go, oh, yeah, she told me. I mean, I didn't even remember that conversation that, that we had together about um, if anything ever happened to her that she told you you should marry me. So it was, what, maybe about a month later, so October, middle of October, I get this LinkedIn acceptance that I had sent a year and a half before, I get this thing saying that Ross had accepted my, it's not a friend request on LinkedIn, it's a connection, whatever they call it. And I'm like, what? She, okay, his wife just passed away, a, you know, three weeks ago and he's friending me on LinkedIn? You know, I got, I got all indignate, you know, all this righteous indignation, like, well, I just need to tell him that I think God has told me that I'm supposed to wait for this guy that I was just sure was going to be my soulmate. And so I was waiting for him. We weren't dating or anything like that. And so I was so conflicted with this message that I'd gotten over LinkedIn and feeling like it was threatening the will of God that I was just sure was to marry this other guy. <laughs> and 
So I sent yeah, but, an email. Yeah, but to, to, to set that up, I was just cleaning up old stuff. I, you know, after Kathy died, I had a, a month of doing nothing, just wandering around. So I was cleaning up old business on my computer. I, I wasn't even thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it just kind of automatically, he punched something and the acceptance came through to me. I took that. <laughs> of course, it's always about me. Yeah. So I took it like he was reaching out to me. And so I had to respond to that, set him straight. And so I think my email to you was titled The Elephant in the Room, maybe something, something like, that. like that. So I'll let you tell this so part I get, of the story. I get this email and it, it, I see it's from Athena. And I, again, I had, I had good thoughts about Athena, nothing more than that. And, and, and she says, she's reading me and saying how sorry she is. And then she says, we need to address the elephant in the room. I didn't even know it was an elephant in the room. And she <laughs> says, well, you know that Kathy had said I should marry you if something happened, which I didn't. I, at least I don't remember. And I thought, okay. And then she tells me that she, I could be the will of God, but not the perfect will of God. And, <laughs> And we get done with this letter, and I thought this woman broke up with me, and we were—I didn't even know we were going together. <laughs> and I thought, well, how strange this is—that this, this woman that I, I hardly know just told me that she wasn't going to marry me. <laughs> I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about marrying her. And and, uh, and and just so we make it clear, I did not marry you because Kathy had said I should. That was just sort of a prophetic move. But uh, so I put it away, and. Uh, I thought, well, that was, that was kind of strange. And so, but I, but I thought, in responding to you, now, I took a long time responding to you because I wanted it to be just right. Because I didn't, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I didn't want to make you feel bad or, or uh, anything, even though I felt that was crazy. <laughs> and and uh, so I, 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 I think I said something to them that the idea of, you know, being with you, it wasn't an unpleasant thought, but I, I really had not, I'm not yet in a position to be looking for a wife or anything like that. And, and I let you off the hook, I think, as graciously as I could. You said you wanted us to please remain friends. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I said that, but I didn't really mean it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, you know, I'm of the Harry met Sally uh, thing. You can't. Men and women can't really be friends. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but then, but then, but then uh, some weeks later. I get this phone call from the guy, the people at C10, right? And uh, Christ for all nations. Commissioned to every nation. Uh, they were the ones that were over me yeah. for my radio ministry. And I remember it was a Friday afternoon. I was with, with, with a, a life group that I meet with, an infamous group of pastors who like to smoke cigars. And and so, I, and this phone call came. And and this guy says, uh, Tina's moving back to Enumpla to, to go into publishing. Would you be her pastor? And would you be our representative overseer. And I thought, now what is that? And, and, and they're actually, I thought, well, wonder what's going on. Cause by this time now I'm already thinking about, I don't like being alone. I really don't like being alone. And uh, I'd even, I think before that I'd said to the elders, I'm going to get married again. And they said to who? I, I don't know. Somebody. <laughs> um, and that was about when you said that to the elders, it was right before Christmas. Yeah. And when I, had everything change in my world and turn around and God's bringing me back was three weeks later. So it yeah. was very and, uh, timely. So that got me thinking, you know what, uh, uh, 
a single guy who didn't like being single. I, you know, I, I really liked being married. 49 years, I really liked being married. And um, my late wife had said, you have to get married. You can't take it yourself. Uh, and I told all my kids that I should. So then the idea of you coming back and then, then came well, the, wait a minute now. the phone call. Didn't she also, before she passed away, make you a list? She did. She gave Tell me a list. Tell us about the list. Ah, so we're laying in bed and, and we know it's terminal now. And we've, we've prayed, we've anointed, we've, we've done all those things and God hasn't responded the way we wanted him to respond. And so we, and, and so she said, so what are you going to do? And I said, well... I think I'll probably stay single. And she said, what, you didn't like being married? I said, what? She said, I read all the books. And if a man likes to be married, he, he wants to get married again. And I want you to marry again. And then she gave me a list. And, and she had this list of women. Uh, and and uh, you were at the head of the list. And, uh, and I, thought, I thought, yeah. I mean, this was be before we'd had any contact. And I thought that woman wouldn't have anything to do with me. You know, she's, she's crazy anyway. <laughs> and, but there was this list and some of the women on the list were very nice and and i could see other ones i thought no no that wouldn't work for me and so then i started making a list for myself what would i want in a wife and it was quite extensive i'm glad i burned it uh, <laughs> but it was quite extensive uh, what did i because you know when kathy and i get married i was 17 and what, what did i know about marriage i knew nothing but now i'm 67 so now i know something uh, about marriage and so I, I I made this yes you did and here I am coming back to Washington the thing that I told God I would never do and he couldn't make me there you go he brings me back to Washington to start Redemption Press because the uh, people that I allowed to take over Wine Press Publishing completely destroyed it and I felt like this was something I could do to make amends for allowing the wrong people to take over the company and affect so many authors. And so I'm on my way back and, you know, I had my list too. And my list was one of the main things on there was that I was not going to be the one who pursued my husband. It was going to be the other way around because I'm a doer. I am a take charge, make things happen. And I didn't want to feel like I was the one who orchestrated a marriage. I wanted to make sure that God orchestrated it and that God chose that person for me and had that person pursue me. And that was on my list. And so right before I actually flew back to Washington, you said something. You came on Facebook Messenger because you were kind of helping with a, the spiritual advisory board for Redemption Press. And um, one of the my friends here that was helping me do stuff here before I came back was kind of putting a pastoral board together. And so that's why we were in touch at that point. And you said on your Facebook message, well, hey, you ought to call me sometime. I got lots of time on my hands. And that was and that was innocent. <laughs> it really was innocent on my part. It, it, it didn't it didn't stay that way. Uh, but it, it, I wasn't really trying to because there was this other guy, right? Right. But and, I knew the other guy was out of the picture. Yeah, but I didn't know that. And, right. And so I thought, well, I, you know, 
I said we'd be friends. I didn't really believe it. But, I, I, well, you were going to come back to town. That would be nice. We'd have lunch and say hello and, and, and catch up and, and, and badmouth the cult <laughs> and, and go on with our lives. So that was all, it's all, you know, it was innocent enough. But when he said that, that was, that was what I needed. That was his pursuit. Okay. It wasn't me saying we should, we should get together. Yeah. And, uh. So I was, of course, when he said that in a tizzy, but on my way back, uh, flying through Sacramento to visit my firstborn and his family, I was waiting in the airport and I had like a two hour wait for the van to pick me up and take me down there. I just thought, huh, maybe I'll go ahead and follow through with that. So I called and the rest was total history. Oh, I remember. Well, I was sitting, I was going over to Yonkers for, for dinner that night, and I was sitting out in front of the church in my car, I, and I don't remember why I was sitting out there when you called. And my car had the phone built in and such. It was a nice thing. So I had kicked back, and I and the phone rang, and, and there she was. And and so we're, we're talking, and, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? Really? I, why is she calling and talking? And, 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 and she actually was flirting a little bit, just a little bit. Now, I, I hadn't flirted with a woman in 55 years or something and, and was not very good at it. And I, and, and I wasn't very good at picking it up, but I thought, it sounds like she's, and she's going to marry this other guy. What is going on here? And, <laughs> and, and, and he'd been out of the picture at this point now for... But, a month yep. and never was really, yeah, but we never dated. I so. didn't know that. So she's talking and, and I said, so what are you doing? She said, well, I'm just sitting here having a glass of wine. Ah, now an interesting, interesting thing. I've always liked, enjoyed having a glass of wine and, and but my, my late wife didn't like, I mean, it was not a spiritual thing for her. She just didn't like wine. And so we'd go places and I'd say, well, let's stop and get a, a, a glass of wine on the way home. No, I don't want to. He didn't like, or she'd say, okay. And then, you know, she'd sit there and sip tea and I'd drink my wine. It wasn't the same. So she says she's drinking wine. And I, and I said out loud, and I don't know why, I said, well, check. Because that was on my list. I wanted a woman who would, would like to have a glass of wine with me. And, and we, you know, once in a while, we'd, we'd go to a lounge after a movie or something and, you know, have a glass of wine and some cheese or, you know, whatever. Just, it, it, it was an appealing aspect. And so I said, check. And, and, and she said, what? And I don't remember, because this seemed awfully bold, because there's still this other guy in the picture, see? And, and, and I said, well, it's on my list uh, that, that I have for, because uh, I'm thinking, I, I'm, I'm wanting to get married again at some point, and I'm, it was on my list. Yep. So the phone call from there was a series of check, 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 check. I was checking off my list. He was checking off his yeah, list. But I'm, in, I'm in La La Land now because I'm wondering why is she flirting with me and why am I flirting with her when she's going to marry this other guy? I, I, I felt like I was being unfaithful to this other guy and I didn't even know him. <laughs> so did I end up telling you on the phone that he was out of the picture? No. I don't, not that I remember, but yeah. what you said, you must have indicated that he was he was floating away or that I was, because you said something about wanting a guy to pursue you. And then I said to you, as I wanted to be clear, I said, so are you saying I can pursue you? And she paused and she said, yes. And so then I figured, well, if there's other guy, I don't care now. <laughs> <laughs> he must be out of the picture. 
I, I could, I, but I don't remember you telling me at that point uh, that he was, I think it was at Bahama Breeze or whatever, where you said that he's actually, so I think it actually then, what about Gary or, yeah. Yep. Well, and that, and just a little bit of the backstory, um, New Year's Eve was when I had my all-nighter with God and repenting for trying to make this thing happen with this friend of mine and trying to force something that really wasn't his will. And so I really came to a place of total surrender saying, you know what, if you do not want me to remarry and have a husband, you're my husband. I'm good with that. And, and that was a, that was a big deal for me to make that commitment to the Lord without an expectation that I would get a benefit from making that surrender, that deliberate surrender to him. So this had just happened on New Year's Eve. And that was when I told my friend, I'm sorry, I never should have tried to make this happen. This, we're, we're done. We're just done being friends because I, you know, it was all based on the wrong motive of my heart. And so here, this is probably three weeks from that New Year's Eve. And we're having this conversation on the phone. And then I come home and he picks me up at the airport. And we both, I mean, we just looked at each other as I'm walking down the aisleway to where he's waiting for me in the airport. We both knew. That this was oh, that, it. That it's funny too. As long as we got a, a little bit of time here, it was funny because I, it was like going on a first date. I mean, it actually was, but you know, I'm 67 years old, but I was looking in the mirror and I changed my clothes a couple of times, and <laughs> you know, I wanted to look really cool, and <laughs> I had my black leather car coat and you know I, I i was really working it and then on the way up there if i was even thinking about what music would i play for her i want her to think you know that that, that i'm cool and <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and so i had i had uh, andrea bocelli on so that it would be uh, romantic and uh but i still didn't i still didn't know i i, I would had Butterflies in my stomach. But I did know I wanted, I was looking for a wife. And as a matter of fact, I had, had dated a couple of times before that. And one of the women I, I really liked, but she made it clear that she wasn't interested in being married again. And, and I, I wasn't interested in dating. Right. Um, I, I, I wanted to be married. I wanted all the benefits of marriage and the enjoyment of that. And, uh, and as a pastor, that's pretty uh, required anyway, you know, Hanging out with women uh, at all hours is not recommended for pastors, unless and, you're married to them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and so for me, I so I was waiting there at the airport, and as soon as you came through the doors, those, those swinging doors, yeah. I, was, I knew I had this is it. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, no, that's not true. I didn't say I'm pretty sure. I thought this is it, and I. I, I was arrogant enough to think I can win her. I don't know where this other guy is yet, uh, but uh, she said I could pursue her, and I'm pursuing. And uh, and and she would, her dimples were showing, and she was smiling when she came through. And I thought, okay. And then and then I kissed you, and you're the first woman that wasn't my wife that I kissed in over fifty years. First woman I kissed on the mouth, I think, in fifty years. And I thought, ah. Like this, and it was. It seemed obvious to me that you were receiving my pursuing. 
I was the pursuer and you're the pursuee. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and so then we go to Bahama Breeze yeah. to have dinner. And I think and I'm we, sure then I asked you, what, what, where's this other guy? Right. And I told you that. But yeah. during that conversation here, I find out about your boat. Oh, yes. And so he just happened to mention that 13 years before that, that you had kind of upgraded from a smaller boat, sailboat to a new boat. Uh, new to me. Bigger new boat. to you. Yeah. Bigger. Yeah. Used boat, but bigger boat. And that the original name, you know, you changed the name. And so the original name, the only place it was still showing up on the boat was uh, in the no, curtains. Wait, no. I, I think you got this wrong. Yeah? I think so. Okay. Uh, because I I remember Brett, my oldest son, when we found out I was dating you, he said, has she seen the boat yet? And I said, no. I don't think you knew. So you, don't, you didn't tell me at uh -uh. Bahama Breeze. Uh -uh. Oh, okay. I don't think so. I thought uh, you did. Uh, but who knows? But anyway. tell, us about, tell well, us about the boat. The fact is I bought this boat and the name of the boat was Athena. And, and again, this is... 15 years or something before this. And so we changed the boat, the name of the boat to Tertian Quid, but I never took the curtains out and it stitched on all the curtains was the name Athena. And and so as I remember the story, and you know. Well, your memory's a little better than mine, so. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> but I, but I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my, in my study and my oldest son, who all my kids were very excited about me marrying again. We weren't talking marriage yet, but they were excited that I was dating and they liked you. And and we're sitting there and, and he says, has she seen the boat? I said, no. And he's just twinkling because he said, are you going to show her the boat? And I said, oh, yeah. And uh, and I don't remember whether I told you about it or took you down there to see it first. I'm I not sure. I think you told me. I think I did. Yeah. But, but, that, but you know, I mean, talk about serendipitous yeah you know i mean it, and it's not that common a name right you know, which is why we, you know why they would name a boat that because they don't make common names usually but right right yeah so it was it was like it was like a a, a prophetic touch it was it was yeah. and you know we are running out of time so the long and short of it is that was january 2014 we got married in June of 2014 and we have yet to have a fight yeah. and yeah. we've gone through lots of challenges and different things, but God has been so gracious. And so we're just, yeah. well, and, and, and the, the, the Romans 8:28 for me on that is, is that after, after Kathy died and after I was alone for a while and I was talking to God about it and I was thinking, Who'd want to marry me? You know, I, I'm 67 years old. I'm a pastor. I don't have any retirement policy. I live in a big house, but I got a couple, one of my kids and his wife living in the house with and me. And two little kids. Yeah. Uh, who'd, who'd want to marry into that? Who would? And I, and I knew I was very fussy. I'm very fussy. She had to be beautiful. She had to be smart, articulate, educated, um, like wine. <laughs> yep. And... Here we, I mean, I had come out of the cult, so I had lost everything. When I walked away from that, I had lost everything. So I didn't have a bunch of furniture. I didn't have a big house that I had to get rid of to move. I mean, I, it was just me and my clothes and my books. And I 
I, I ended up living upstairs over the redemption original Redemption Press offices. And then in June of 2014, I moved into that 100-year-old craftsman house, which we are sitting in right now in the upstairs office of mine. And, well, and it's a big house. But see, it was another side story. One of the, the, one of the ladies that I was dating before you came back, she had a very big, another, a very big house full of furniture and stuff. And one of the things that, that we talked about uh, just in passing was we couldn't get married because where would we put all the stuff? And, and so, and, and that really was kind of a dilemma because I've been in my house for 35 years and, you know, it's filled with stuff. And so here you came with just a clothes on your back and a suitcase. Pretty much. That's right. So, you know, God used so many different things in our lives coming. I mean, so much Romans 8.28 for each of us individually to then come together and have our own Romans 8.28 story that continues. I mean, we continue to have defining moments in our lives that are God working all things together for good. And it has been, it's been amazing to me to have, I mean, we're we're different, but we complement each other. And I mean, really, you are the perfect person to be married to me. Well, humbly, I admit, I am. <laughs> I am hey, perfect. I'm, a, I'm I, a strong-willed woman. I am perfect for you. Yeah. And uh, and you for me. You fit all the things on the list. I think everything. I, there may have been one or two minor points, I, but I burned the list wisely. And later, I, I read a guy who did an article on that very same thing. And he said, burn the list. Don't ever let her see the list. Uh, and I already had. Uh, well, that was good. He says, because you give too much away. Well, we both had our lists. We I both, never saw yours either. That's That's right. You didn't. But you, every single... Thing on my list, except for I think there was maybe one minor thing on there that wasn't really a big deal. I was probably taller. No, <laughs> I think it was the dance thing. Oh yeah, that might be it. Yeah, I'm not a dancer. I'm Baptist. I don't, I don't dance, uh, but we enjoy dancing. Yes, we do. We Which, do. Yeah. So you know, our life together has been an ongoing Romans eight twenty eight moment, um, and. I just love that it's been our kind of each one of us is our life verse. So to have to have a, a marriage that's built on Romans 8.28, I don't know, that just blesses me. I hope someone out there that's listening to this today, I mean, am I saying God is going to give you uh, your knight in shining armor and it's going to look like this? No, I'm not saying that. I don't know that. I don't know what God wants to do. And he's got a different plan and a different way that he works things together for good for each person. That's right. That's absolutely right. And so, but I just want to praise God and, you know, this, this time of year is, you know, one of those times that can be bittersweet. It can, you know, trigger times of loss and, you know, pain. And, but I wanted, I wanted this time of Christmas week to just share this story with all of you that listen to the All Things Podcast, just to encourage you that God really does work all things together for good, even when we can't see him working, and even when we don't know what it's going to look like. And Ross, why don't you just just give a closing thought 
that will Oh, sure. Just dump on me a closing thought. Something inspiring. A closing thought to encourage our listeners Uh, uh, to uh, 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 remember uh, uh, that he really is uh, working all things together for good, even when we can't see it. uh, Well, the thing that that hit me the last couple of weeks, and I I, I wrote a piece on it a bit, is, is that God sent Jesus into the world at one of the very worst points in human history. The Roman Empire was dominating the world and was dark. And so this this Christmas, I heard people saying that, you know, it doesn't seem like Christmas because it's the COVID thing and all that stuff. And I thought this is the perfect time for Christmas. Mm. Perfect time for Christmas is when when the world is dark and we don't know what's going on. It's time to look at, at the light of Jesus. and It's mm. time to look at the, at the sun that he shines into our lives. And he, he gives us reminders all the time. He does. So we have to keep our focus on him and know his character because we understand his character that he's good and he's working all things together for good. We can trust him for that no matter how it looks right now. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for being on the All Things Podcast today. It has been delightful to it's my honor sit across privilege. from you. You and- don't normally ask me on your show. <laughs> well, you <laughs> lucked out this time, huh? <laughs> God's blessings. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show and also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now.